They say it's in your blood, a game that can't be won, only played. A love affair, it satisfies the soul and frustrates the intellect. The greatest game ever played, golf. It's real. And this is Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of legendary golfer Billy Casper. Talking golf with you for more than two decades. And now, here's Brian and Bob. Official open. Welcome in to Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. So good to be with you. Again, hit us up on Twitter at Real Golf. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, Bob Casper in Morocco for the Champions Tour event this week, and so much more. There's a history there with the Casper family and the Royal family, and why they're having a, an official event there in Morocco. We'll get into that coming up. Plus, PGA Tour playing the Mexico Open this week at Vedanta, a little bit of a bridge between the West Coast Swing and the Florida Swing. So we'll recap what happened on the West Coast Swing, mostly rain, and we will. Uh, <laughs> preview the florida swing coming up also way too early masters preview actually i would just call it the early masters preview we did way too early back in january here we are getting uh much closer and we actually have special invites that have been announced we also have the official media guide that has been sent and some things that have come to light from that so we'll talk a little master stay tuned that is always fun the match is coming up Uh, another another iteration of the match it's rory mcelroy and max homa against lexi thompson and rose zang so i'm excited to to see this version bringing the ladies in and it's about time we'll talk about that coming up as well right here on real golf radio but uh bob uh when you uh, when you look at Tony Fina, we were talking about him and, and some of his putting woes this year. When you when you start to look at his schedule, um, he he's played a bit. Uh, obviously, yeah. the way that the signature events have played out, he skipped Phoenix, which he normally plays. But here he is playing as the defending champion this week. He's by far the highest ranked player in the field, so a little pressure on him this week, huh? Yes, and uh, you know he's played five, as you said, played a little bit five events this year. But it's uh, it's good to see him playing. He's you know he's had a tie for six, so a one top ten. So he's playing some good golf. He just needs to figure out that putting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, no question. Hey, by the way, last week finishing up the West Coast swing, Tiger Woods hosting at Riviera. Uh, a bit of a bummer uh, that he had to withdraw yeah. and uh, due to illness. So, we'll, but we'll talk about that event as well as we when we recap the West Coast swing. So I'm excited. And Jordan Speed being DQ'd. Yeah, that was. That was it. I, I, you know what? I want your take on it because I know okay. that it created quite a discussion about whether these are archaic rules or whether this is an integral part of the game, signing a scorecard. Yep. So, yeah, I do want to yep. get your take on that. We'll do it all just next right here on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort. Go to blackdesertresort.com. You can check out the new Tom Weiskopf Championship Design Golf Course. Learn about the PGA Tour event coming up in October. LPGA will be in May of 25, and there's exclusive real estate opportunities available at blackdesertresort.com. Check it out. It is coming along amazingly and uh, some just really cool new announcements seemingly every single day the resort center hotel is uh, near completion it opens up later this summer golf village is near completion family village is under construction boardwalk village still to be announced that's where all the shopping and the dining and everything is going to be so just some phenomenal opportunities to be a part of this amazing southern utah resort at blackdesertresort.com all right thanks again for joining us brian and bob with you at real golf on x twitter 
Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Be sure to join us and follow us where your favorite podcasts are found as well. So, Bob, we left off there talking about Jordan yep. Spieth. You mentioned the uh, unfortunate incident that he was disqualified last week at the Genesis for signing an incorrect scorecard. So set this up for me again. Jordan goes into the scoring area. He signs his card, and there was a three instead of a four on there. So he didn't make birdie, and and then he abruptly ran out. There was a bit of an emergency. His mind was elsewhere, you could say. Yeah, what what was the story? The story was Justin Thomas kind of elaborated on it, but... uh, he needed to make it to the facilities, I think. Okay. So that's when he realized that he signed the scorecard incorrectly and he went back, but he had already leave the, left the scoring area. Um, scoring area, so that results in a disqualification. But my whole contention is, and, and what my, my dad has always said, why are you disqualified for going to score lower when you're not disqualified disqualified for going to score higher and you have to keep the higher score. It just, it just seems very um, unequal up or down. So my dad was always said, you shouldn't be disqualified. You should, uh, you know, something should happen, whether it's strokes or keeping the higher score. So either way, it's an incorrect scorecard. So again, yes. what happens is at the end of your round, this is this is through golf, right? When mm-hmm. you're done, you sign your scorecard in a competitive round. You check Correct. your scorecard with the marker, you know, because yeah. in a competitive competition, and you never caddy. keep right. You never keep your own card, right? Official card. Somebody else is keeping Correct. your official card, but you are always writing down your scorecard on the card you're keeping as well so that you can cross-reference it. Now, this happens in amateur stuff all the time. Guy you're playing with, look, here, here's the way it happens for me. When I'm trying to play competitive golf, I have to get into my own little world. And so oftentimes, even though I'm right there with the guy, I'm not even, I don't remember if he made four or five or three. I don't, sometimes I don't remember, right? And so right. you'll, ask the guy or sometimes I'm like that was a four and I write the four down and didn't realize that he'd made that putt for birdie or or that that was a putt for bogey whatever the case may be so at the end of your round you sit down with your marker whoever kept your score and you have your cart and you go through the numbers three four three five four four whatever it is right and you go through the numbers well on the PGA tour they do that in the scoring tent and they cross-reference it not only with the other competitor that is keeping their card, but also with the, there's a guy there, a score, a rules officials inside the scoring tent. Correct. So the, the rule is, is that once you sign your card, it is official. And once you leave the scoring area, there's no coming back. No changes at that point in time. There's no buyer's remorse or, you know, sudden memory change. And and I get that the whole reason for this is to keep people from cheating, right? To go back and they look at this leaderboard and go, Oh man, I was one shot out the cut line. I need to go back in there and try to shave a shot. Well, I'm assuming those are some of the reasons why, right? And it's a game of integrity. Yes. Is that, I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify the thing, but that's, that's essentially what was going on there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, but here's what, here's the problem. Sorry, real, real quick, Bob. There seems to be two schools of thought. One is 
the golf purists that say that's the way golf is through all levels of competition and it needs to stay that way. The second one is, why are we still doing this on the PGA Tour at the highest level when there's TV cameras everywhere, there's shot link, there's spectators. Everybody knows what the score is, right? That's their quote-unquote. Everybody already knows. Yes. Why are you disqualifying for a clerical error? And so, and then there's sort of a third thing, I guess you could throw in of people that say, hey, we need to keep the scoring. I see why that's important to sign your scorecard, but maybe the penalty of disqualification has gone a little too far. Okay, so with that, where do yeah. you kind of stand on it? Well, I kind of stand with the last one. I I, I, th- I don't think it's, it's correct to be able to um, disqualify somebody. Uh, it's always been done, but I don't think it's the right result. I think, uh, I think if you're going to sign accidentally for a shot lower then you know what trap strap or add two two shots as far as that's concerned we've seen guys lose major championships roberto dave and Cinzo, oh. for signing an incorrect scorecard Heartbreaking. um you know we've we've seen guys uh get disqualified from tournaments for signing incorrect scorecards just like jordan spieth was um i just don't feel that it needs to be like um, that cut and dried and that, that, that's a rule that could be very easily changed as far as the rules of golf co- are concerned. And it might be one that at some point we talked to Thomas Pagel about and ask him, you know, you're onto something. You mentioned maybe a two shot penalty. Let's let, I, I think I could see it going. This is the way I would do it because is there, is there a way that somebody could cheat through that system and write down lower score, sign for lower scores? First of all, it'd take two people. You'd have to bamboozle the guy keeping your scorecard. But right. if you sign for a bunch of lower scores and then you get a two-shot penalty, like if I wrote birdie on every hole and ended up making bogey, in some levels of play, because the two-shot penalty turned the birdie into a bogey, yeah, may, maybe that's actually not too bad, right? Um, but the way I, I think what you said – a two-shot penalty. Maybe you put it back the correct scorecard and then add two. So essentially, you're costing exactly. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you yeah. if you made a four, sign for a three. Yep. Then you put it back to a four, four, add two, and you you made six. Add two. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Hundred percent. Then to complicate the other issue on the PGA Tour, the walking score, every hole at the at the at the back of the green, the walking score then verifies the number with a score that's sitting on the back of the green for that group, okay? The walking score verifies the numbers for that group. Then that score at the back of the green then calls it in to official um, scoring. So they know exactly what's been going on all the way along. Yeah. So, yeah. So as long as it's officially getting reported... And now we've used this example in the past. Like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you start the second half and of a basketball game only to find out that the player came, they, they, they reviewed some video or something and one of the player's foot was on the line and so they, they changed the score or what have you, right? You, I, I can see where people, but at the same time in the NBA, they do that all the time. They'll review yes. plays yep. and then at the next yep. time out, they'll go back and say, yeah, foot was on the line. That three was only a two. And yep. it's in the middle of the game. And essentially, the second round of a golf tournament is in the middle of the game. We're not talking about doing yes. this the weekend after the tournament's been yep. decided. But in the middle of the game, if you look at the four rounds as four quarters, you're barely at halftime. 
you got time to make an adjustment and still allow. Now, my last thing I'll say on this. The PGA or the, the NBA, for instance, NFL, PGA Tour, Major League Sports is an entertainment. People pay money to go watch certain players play. You get a guy like Jordan Spieth gets disqualified. That affects the event. It affects the sponsorship, all that kind of thing. So yep. maybe instead of ejecting them, removing them from the competition, we look at how do we still make this a penalty equitable, but keep the guy around, yeah. keep the stars yep. around. You don't want to be ejecting. Yep. If you if you paid a lot of money to go watch LeBron James, for instance, you don't want a referee ejecting him for whining about a call, which he does plenty. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. You don't want to. You don't <laughs> want the ref ejecting LeBron in the first quarter when you paid a lot of money to watch LeBron play. For yep. instance, right? Yeah. So, that, that's what that's where I think that's where I think Jordan Speed getting disqualified is is a bit of of an unfortunate situation. And then on top of that, Tiger got sick, and as the tournament host, had to withdraw. Um, but how about Hideki coming back and the way he played in that final round? I mean, wow! Yeah, nine under par. And wow. the fact that Patrick Cantley had a five shot lead going into the weekend and didn't close the deal also a little yep. bit surprising. But those are some things we can talk about as we recap the West Coast swing. We'll take a short break. More of the show continues next right here on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. This segment is brought to you by Callaway Golf. Uh, check out the new lineup of Apex Family of Irons at CallawayGolf.com. Bob, I got to tell you, when I was down at Black Desert last week, Mm-hmm. They were having a Callaway fitting. And I, I wouldn't say that I went through what I would constitute an entire fitting, but right. I wanted to try the irons out. So they have, of course, the, the muscle cavity back, right? And then they've uh-huh. got the cavity cavity back and then the CBs, and then they've got the pros. Right. So what I'm trying to decide here is I'm about to turn 50. I'm taking that into consideration. I'm coming off my best year of ever playing golf, which may have, may be an anomaly, Bob. We don't know that. That might've been the only time that's ever happening. Um, and even though I did some speed training and I'm, and I'm working out and I'm trying to keep my speed up, father time's undefeated. So what I went to have 50 year over the hill, Brian, I know I'm, that's, <laughs> that's why I can see the other side from here. I only got a couple of, we only got two more shows in my forties. So, my point is, is I wanted to stick with the pros. That's what I've been playing, the Apex Pros. But there's part of me right. that just, as I've told you this, there's nothing sexier than a set of blades, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there thinking, what, can I get away with these? Like, what do I Don't think? Don't do it. So Don't do it. Let me just tell you my little experiment. I, I checked my ego at the door, and I went on the range of Black Desert. There's a bunker out there that I was, my, that I was aiming at. I had a 7-iron. And right. when I hit the MC, not the MC, the CB, when I hit the CB, uh, flushed it, covered the bunker, no problem. Apex Pro, of course, flushed it, covered the bunker, no problem. When I just missed the CB, is in the bunker. But when oh, I just missed course. the Apex Pro, still covered the bunker. Yep. Game over, done. Apex Pros, staying in the back. There you go. Yep. There you go. Just going with the new set. So, yep. And the guy said that go. the dispersion pattern on him is 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 uh, even tighter, and uh, there's more consistent, better feel, all those kind of things. So. Okay. My thought is now is, no now you don't have a repertoire of alibis to <laughs> fall back on. Oh, you you know what's noodling around in my noggin right now though? What is whether or not I want to play hybrids or if I want to go with those UT irons in like a four iron mm. instead of a hybrid? There you go. Yeah, 
Okay. So I'm going to noodle on that a little bit. But yeah, check out the new yep. Apex Pro uh, series of irons from Callaway. They are phenomenal. They look great. They feel great. Unbelievable stuff. I've also gone through almost an entire dozen of the new Chrome Tours. And you like them? I really like them, Bob. Yeah, you're going to love them. Awesome. Yeah. You, you, awesome. Might, you might like the X, the, the Tour X. I don't know. That's probably what I'll jump to is the X. Yeah. But I'm telling you, they're really, really good golf ball. So anyway, you can find yep. out more at CallawayGolf.com. Okay. Uh, I want to hear the story, Bob, uh, about, uh-huh. you know, we, we've talked a lot, but we haven't spent time on Morocco and, and you're in Morocco okay. right now. So I want to yep. know, again, I know people that have listened to us. And again, we're in our 25th year of doing real golf radio and you've been over nearly every year that we've done the show. You've gone to Morocco. That's not normal. Like you have a special, unique relationship, maybe just set it up exactly how it all came to be. And the way I see it, this event is happening today in large part because of your dad. Yeah, you know, back in, um, I think it was about 68 or 69, my dad had, in 68, my dad had won six times on tour, and in 69, um, he was coming off of that great year, and um, one of the guys that was very influential in opening up golf here in the country of Morocco was Claude Harmon, Butch Harmon's dad, mm. Okay. So he would he would play golf with his majesty. He would come over to Morocco as well as when his majesty was in New York, his majesty would go play at Wingfoot, and a Claude Harmon would be his teacher. Well, his majesty came to Claude Harmon. He said, hey, is there somebody that plays on the PGA Tour that, that, would, that you could ask about coming over and, and playing golf with me? And, and Claude Harmon said... Um, yes, there's a gentleman who was the number one player last year in 1968, Billy Casper. I think he would probably come. So he said, please extend the invitation. So they extended, they extended the invitation to my dad and my dad came over to play with his majesty King is on the second. Uh, they, they struck up such a great relationship together that my dad ended up coming over to Morocco seven times that year. Wow. To, to continue playing um, with his majesty whenever he had a break, uh, bringing my mom over, that kind of thing. So that was like 1969. 70 was the first year I came to Morocco, 1970. I was 10 years old. And um, my mother got really, really sick that year. Um, when we were there, we were, in the, we were in the city of Fez. And, um, there, you know, it's like Mexico. There are certain things that you can't eat and that kind of thing. She got really, really sick. So I got, I went to the golf course with my dad every day. Um, and it was fun because it was nine holes halfway through the nine holes. There was this big buffet spread of food and everything. You got to eat, take a few minutes, that kind of thing. And then, um, you just went on to finish, to finish the round. Well, that continued, that relationship continued to foster and that kind of thing. And it was in, in 1970s one is when they first held this golf tournament, the Hassan II Trophy. The golf course was built here in Rabat. It was built by Robert Trent Jones Sr. And um, they started that event. That first year, um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, that first year was... The winner was Orville Moody in oh. 1971. All right. Then the second year was Ron Ceruto. Um, he also played on tour, and if I remember correctly, I think he won um, 
not the Byron Nelson, the one after that, Colonial. Colonial. He won Colonial once. And then my father, of course, won in 1973, followed by Larry Ziegler, and then my father won again in 1975. Trevino won in 77. Um, let me see some of the other ones that were uh, notable names. Roger Maltby won in 84. Uh, VJ Singh won in 91. Payne Stewart in 92. Again in 93. Um, Nick Price won in 95. Uh, Colin Montgomery, 97. David Toms in 99. Uh, Yoakam Hegman, as we're getting a little closer, 2001. Um Eric Compton, who played on tour, he won in 05. Padraig Harrington in 07. Ernie Els in 08. Um, and, you know, some great players have won this event. And a lot of great players have played in it. Seve played in it. Um, Ern, uh, Faldo played in it. There's a, there's a ton of guys that have played in this event. And uh, it, golf in Morocco is thriving because of, of not only the relationships with Claude Harmon and my dad, but also the emphasis that His Majesty King Hassan II put on playing game, playing golf in the country of Morocco and building golf throughout the country of Morocco. That's pretty cool. And the champion store yeah. is playing there, um, yep. you know, today, so this weekend. So that's super yes, cool. Yes, they are. Hey, by the way, uh, you know, one of the things we do is the uh, 25 years of golf memories. So obviously uh -huh. there's a lot in there with what you just said, but you mentioned the Ernie Els in 2008. That was a notorious one <laughs> because Bob Casper played that year in that event. Yes. And he finished yes. 18 shots back of Ernie Els. <laughs> Now I decided Ernie to use, lit it up. I decided to use that opportunity to try to stick it to Bob a little bit and have a little fun. And so I on the air said, Bob, you're closer. <laughs> I said, you're closer to me than you are Ernie else. Right. And, uh, and you said, and you, and you said, Oh really? Cause how many you played? Is it two? Was it two rounds that year or three, three rounds? I think. Four. No, four. I don't think you didn't play all four that year. Did you? No, it was all four. It was all yep. four. Okay. So it was all four. Yep. So all yep. four rounds. And I said, and, and, and I said, I could, I could beat you by 18. You, you couldn't beat me by 18 shots over four rounds, but Ernie Els beat you by or something like that. Right. And you said, yeah. really? And so it was on. Let's see. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went out and played. I, I literally think the first round we played, I think you beat me by 10. Uh, or 11. Like you absolutely drummed me. I'm like, well, we got three rounds to go and I'm down to like six or seven shots. So yep. <laughs> that was one. I had to eat it, Bob. I ate that one. Uh, pretty, pretty good. And that but. one was, that was when I was playing a lot too. Yeah. So I know. And I wasn't Not so much now. I was probably, what was I? I was probably like a six or seven handicap at the time. Yeah. And you, right. and you were playing like torque caliber stuff. And so that was a that was the wrong that was the wrong move for me. But that was a good memory from I had forgotten yep. about it till you just mentioned Ernie Els. That was fun. Yep. So and I yep. think that also you mentioned uh, Padraig Harrington and you sat down with him and did an interview that year and that was before he was the Ryder Cup captain. But he was just coming off Correct. of winning back to back Open Championships or was right in the middle of winning back to back Open Championships. Yes. I think at the time. Yeah, so. and it was great to be able to interview him and talk with him. I played with Padraig Harrington in this tournament his rookie year on tour. Wow. So, um, but, eh. but to be able to talk to him about how his daughter used to put ladybugs. Oh yeah. Not, what was that? What was that story? They called them ladybirds, but she would take, 
the claret jug and put ladybugs into the claret jug. That's where she kept them. Really? <laughs> yes. So the yes. <laughs> so somebody was getting some ladybug uh, ladybug yeah. beer the next year when they were yeah drinking I guess. that celebra- I don't know. celebratory or it got drink. cleaned out. Something. I'm sure. I'm yep. sure it did. All right. Yep. So there you go. That's that's a, that's an inside story that maybe you you, you wouldn't have heard is that uh, Padre Harrington's daughter kept ladybugs in the claret jug. That's, that's not correct. Bad. That's not bad. That's pretty yep. cool. All right. Very good. Okay. So thanks for sharing that. That's super cool. So that's a little bit of the history of Morocco and why the event is taking place and how the Caspers, uh, specifically Billy Casper and Claude Harmon played a huge role in that. And I know you've had some tremendous experiences playing yourself with the Prince. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we still got more to talk about here, but John Patrick is going to join us. We're starting to think masters, Bob. The media guide is out. Some special invitations have been uh, uh, sent out as well. And it's time to start thinking about Augusta. John Patrick from the Augusta Golf Show in Augusta, Georgia, joins us next right here on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, so good to be with you. And as the countdown is on to the first major of the year, that annual event in springtime in Augusta, Georgia, we head out to Augusta. One of our good friends uh, who runs the Augusta Golf Show and has been doing radio and covering the Masters, well, probably... A lot longer than I've been alive. No, that's not true. That's an old joke. John Patrick joining us right now. John, good morning. How are you? Wow. Shots fired early. Uh, Brian, hello, Bob. (laughs) How you doing, John? I was trying to give you the respect of the tenure that you have there covering the tournament, and I just didn't know how to do it justice without offending you. So I I paused in my tracks. You failed miserably, but Mm. thank you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) How many Masters will it be this year? This will be my 40th. Wow. He's pretty close, Brian. <laughs> well, this being my 50th year uh, on, on this globe, uh, it's close. It's close. Again, making me feel great that you were 10 <laughs> when I started coming. <laughs> you know what? It only makes me sad that I didn't get to know you sooner, John. That's all it is. Nice try. Okay. Good try. Okay. Good. All right. All right. Hey, yep. so I do look forward to every year the the Augusta National uh, team sending out the media guide. And there's probably, I know there's lots of geeks like me that uh, start pouring through it and you start seeing all the stories showing up about the news that, that's in there. Everyone wants to go right to the golf holes and see what changes have taken place to the golf course. And there we see that number two has been lengthened 10 yards and shifted over to the left. And um, we've got special invites that have been announced. So uh, where do you fall in that? Where, what, what's your excitement level at this point with uh, what less than a couple of months to go until Augusta? It'll get there. It's not there quite yet. We've we've got a bunch of meetings to have here at the radio station. I mean, I, this will sound like I'm whining. I don't mean to be whining, but it's, as you guys know, it's a long, busy, fun-filled week. Um, yeah. So so you know, I got to gear up for this. I'm not quite there yet. I I was surprised, frankly, at the at, at the announcement about number two because we really hadn't heard anything, you know, even rumblings of anything they'd done to the golf course, as subtle as this is, again, moving it back 10 yards. I love the, I love the move of taking it to the left. I kind of thought they'd do something like that with 13, but they didn't. Um, so now, now you force those guys to either really bend it around the corner if they can, or they're, they're going to be out by the bunker and the second shot will be a little bit more of a, of a challenge. 
you know, it's kind of interesting that they did that because I think for guys that hit the ball right to left, it might be a little bit easier for them to shape the ball off of that bunker and keep it in the fairway where before if they shaped it off the bunker, it had a tendency to kind of get into the left side of the fairway and run down into the trees um, or the pine straw. But the other thing it does is it takes the left to right out of everybody's hands off the tee with driver there at number two. Yeah. You know, it, it is funny, Bob, that it, in my mind, the strategic move is not about 10 yards. It's about moving it to the left. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. And as Bob 100%. and I were talking, John, it, it almost sets up. It's it's nearly identical to the shot you have to hit on 10. Right. Uh, and I remember talking to Mike Weir back in the day. Uh, and when he won in 2003, he specifically worked. He, he liked to draw the ball because he doesn't hit it as far. So the draw goes a little further. But he specifically, as a lefty, had to fade the ball just for that shot on 10. And I think it sets up for that same kind of – it requires that same kind of shot on two now, huh? You know, it does, Brian. But I would say this, at least the shot on 10, it's sort of a wide-open shot. It doesn't really matter when you, you, you turn it. On two – you got to go. You probably got to go 260, 270 before yeah. before the turn needs to begin. Um, I I actually think it's a it, it'll be a harder shot than ten because ten's wide open. And again, doesn't matter when you bend it as long as you bend it. That's a good point. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's a great point. And and hitting it down that right side, as we all know, you can put it in that bunker, and that takes away going for the green and two. But for some of those guys, you know, they may be, may not be able to reach the bunker, the guys that are a little bit shorter hitters as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, again, I, the strategy to me is not the 10 yards. It's moving it to the left. I, yep. it, it's subtle. Uh, I appreciate that. And, and we'll see. We'll, we'll get a vision of how it plays. John yep. Patrick joining us uh, from Augusta, Georgia, and the Augusta Golf Show. I think it was Bob Herrig. I, I could be wrong, and I apologize. I don't remember where I read it, but the, there was a – an ex uh, comment out there about Tiger not having eagled the second hole. And I, I thought that was fascinating. I, I, if you would have asked me how many eagles has Tiger made on the second hole, I would have said, I don't know, probably three or four without even looking, right? So to see that he, in his career, has never eagled the second hole was a little surprising. That was kind of a fun little nugget that uh, one of those guys brought out. You know, yeah, it would have been surprising to me too, Brian. I, I, I would have been okay you know, no, I don't remember third and fourth round Eagles, but he could have snuck one in on a Thursday and a Friday, and I hadn't really paid attention. Um, but you're right. I, I, that's a, a fun fact from Mr. Harry, if it was indeed Mr. Harry. <laughs> We're giving him credit. Somebody's out there going, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, whoever's it was. But uh, we wanted to give credit to somebody. So, you know what? Bob's a nice enough guy. We'll give it to him. Um, so, uh, thoughts otherwise on just generally speaking on the golf course, uh, you know, that's, it's a, it's a conversation every year. Will Augusta continue to, to stand the test of time with the equipment and, and today's players and their athleticism and length. Uh, what, what's your feelings with the, with that, uh, topic going into this year's tournament? Well, you know, I think that all gets based on what do you want out of the golf tournament? Does does 13, 14 under bother you? Do you want 5, 6, 7, 8 under to win? You know, it's now, with, with this additional 10 yards, it's, it's lengthy. It's, I thought I saw 7,555 yards. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty good. 
Um, so I, I, I do think it is, what do you want out of the golf tournament? And they want many things out of the golf tournament. I don't know that they want records broken, you know, scoring records broken. But, but, but they, do want, they do want excitement on Sunday, and they plan for it. So I, I still think, guys, it's, a, it's an event. It's an it's a, it's a entertainment event of sport that they plan for, set up for, and, and try to entertain us as much as possible, especially on Sunday. Um, I don't know that they spend as much time thinking about those sorts of things as we do. I think they look at things entirely differently. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, rarely, they rarely disappoint. Yes, exactly. No, no you're right. No, they... You know, they They've got that pretty well down. Mm-hmm. And as you said, um, one of the masters that was really kind of uh, sleepy, so to speak, was when Zach Johnson won in that back round or that back nine didn't have any wars whatsoever. So um, the next year, of course, we had the opportunity to hear more of the Roys, the birdies, the Eagles, those types of things. Um, over that back nine and that's what Augusta National lives for is that excitement of that back nine because they want to say you know the championship uh, begins on the back nine well the second and, nine and, yeah the second nine yeah, we don't want to get your band the Bob <laughs> yes um, uh, you know but they're also and I do know this for a fact from talking to, to some of the people there you know, they care about how it how it shows up in ratings. They care about how mm-hmm. it does, how many people are watching. They want to know that. And and I think it's also been a, a concerted effort on their part to um you know, get the get the, the winner of the tournament out and about on, on, on Monday and Tuesday. You see him in New York, they get on the they get on the morning talk shows, they get on some of the late mm-hmm. night shows. It's a concerted effort now on their part, again, to have an event that cuts through the clutter and, and, and makes an impact as far as it can, being golf and a bit of a niche sport, as much as it can with television ratings, excitement, people talking about it, the buzz, and, and so forth and so on. They, they've, they've gone about doing that in a variety of ways over the last 10 years or so. Yeah, no question. John Patrick, Augusta Golf Show, Augusta, Georgia, joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Looking forward to the 88th playing of the Masters Tournament coming up in April. You mentioned uh, cutting through some of that, and I think that happened with the announcement of the special invitations. Joaquin Neiman among them, who, of course, is playing on Live, although the announcement uh, didn't reference Live whatsoever. Rather, uh, Neiman's career at Augusta, his former Latin... uh, America amateur champion and former amateur number one, and then his win in Australia on the DP World Tour. What was your what was your thoughts on uh, Neiman and the other announcements of of special invites? You know, I I I think the major championships, all of them, have have done a pretty good job of trying to stay out of the live PGA Tour fray. Mm-hmm. And I think that Joaquin got invited, as you said, Brian, primarily on the Australian Open victory um i i i just i think they've they've done a good job uh no they didn't mention live they don't mention live but they've done a good job of kind of staying above it all at least well Mm -hmm. i'll speak for here here has but i think all three all of the other major championships have have tried to do the same thing it's sort of kind of pretending it doesn't exist and we're going to go about doing our business the way we've always done our business and so i didn't think that the um special exemptions, the special invitations were 
that far out of the norm for what they normally do as far as who they were and as far as, you know, how many there were. You know, what, what caught me off guard is once Neiman won down in Mexico, he, it seemed like he started to lobby as, as far as the, the major championships are concerned. And then the other thing I wanted to say is now that only brings currently the field to 90 or 83 players, um, and, you know, you'll pick up a few like the week before if they bounce into the top uh, 50 in the world rankings or if, you know, if somebody wins prior to Augusta on the PGA Tour. So um, kind of interesting. The field's a little bit shy right now. Yeah, and they certainly don't mind that. And and what I think is interesting about what you say, Bob, is, you know, the way that the the signature events have, have lined up and and some events are signature events and some events aren't, it's those events that aren't signature events that offer up the opportunity for, yeah. for somebody to, to get into the golf tournament uh, that otherwise would not have gotten into the golf tournament. I think, I think more than we've ever seen before, the opportunity between now and then to add two or three more players. Yeah, I think you're right. John Patrick, Augusta Golf Show, Augusta, Georgia, joining us uh, right here on Real Golf Radio. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely um, you're right about that. And um, so when we start thinking, can we have some fun here for a second? Well, we'll be the judge of that. Go ahead, bro. Okay. <laughs> what, what are we doing on way too early Masters predictions? Because it's still so much uh, water under the bridge between now and then. Um, but, but who do you like uh, when you start thinking about you know, contention. I mean, Jordan Spieth obviously is, is, is a guy that a lot of people are talking about Rory McIlroy and his opportunity to join that elite crew of uh, winners of the career grand slam. Those some really, really good stories out there. What are your thoughts? You know, first of all, I got to get you to, to correctly say it's water under the Hogan bridge. I, you know, I actually um, thought about that. I did. Do I, do I go ahead and reference that? And anyway, thanks for throwing that in. Yeah, you're fine. Let me be the idiot. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, he won. He won in Los Angeles. I I wouldn't put it past Hideki mm. to get himself a second green jacket. Uh, mm. I, I, I it's just a feeling. I, I don't have, you know, I don't have a whole lot of analytics to back me up. Um, I it's funny. I don't know how much analytics play a role in this golf tournament. I don't think you have to anymore play it eight nine times, you know, to get the feel for it, as everybody used to say, Bob and your dad say. Yeah. I don't think that's the case anymore, but but I don't have an analytic to say it's Hideki, but I would not be surprised if it was Hideki. I just, God, I just, I, I don't know that Rory, I don't know when I'll feel comfortable that Rory can do it. I don't feel comfortable yet that he can do it. I, I, just, I just feel like he put so much pressure on himself to get this one that no matter how well he plays coming in, you know, he walks out on Thursday and shoots 74, and he's fighting the rest of the week. I, I ain't comfy with Rory just yet. That's well, the quote know, of the I, day. Yeah, you know, um, the interesting thing is Rory has always said that he wants to be fresh going into Augusta, so he's limited his play. This year he's kind of thrown the opposite end of the spectrum where he says he's going to play more going into Augusta, and hopefully he's um, – doing better when he hits there. Uh, my personal feeling is I want to see the Cinderella story. I'd love Rory McIlroy to win, and I'd love to have another 
player on the PGA Tour or in professional golf hit the career grand slam? Well, and and I would too. I mean, we all love a great story, especially on Sunday. And frankly, honestly, yeah. between the three of us, I, I know the members would like to see Rory win. Um, I I just you know you're right, Bob. He's going to play more. I don't know if that's a you know if that's a reflection of fewer policy tour policy board responsibilities. He's going to play in yeah. Houston. He's going to play the week before. I thought I heard him say last weekend in Los Angeles. So we'll see. I, I just, I'd love to see it. I mean, nobody loves, nobody loves a special Sunday like, like we do here in Augusta and the, and the patrons and the folks that come out on Sunday. I think everybody that, that comes out there to watch golf on Sunday and doesn't go home at noon to watch it on television wants to be there when some sort of history gets made, whether it's Rory, whether it's Tiger, whether it's whatever it might be. They want to say, oh, I was there the year that last year that Tiger won. I think those people that, that are there on Sunday want to be there for exactly that reason. Yeah, amen. Hey, by the way, average number uh, of attempts at time of first victory, 6.3. Uh, so if you're looking at players that are playing their sixth Masters, that's a good place to start. As far as second, it's 9.9. So about 10 of them. And uh, let's see, the third, about 12, fourth. Mm, there's not very many that happen. To win four, so <laughs> I don't even know and, if they, again, Brian, they don't give us an average of three. And again, Brian, when you say amen, I need you to say amen corner. There we go. There we go. There you go. I love it. John, you're the best. It's always great. To, you know, I'm all worked up. I'm excited. I can almost taste an egg salad sandwich right now visiting with you. <laughs> well, um, I, I always look forward to seeing you guys. I really do. Uh, Bob, I hope you have a great yes, time sir. on the rest of your trip. Thank you. I appreciate that, John. We'll talk to you real soon, John. Thanks for your time, man. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You got it. John Patrick, the Augusta Golf Show, Augusta National, uh, just a really good dude. We appreciate our association with him over the years, and I'm sure we'll catch up with him at Augusta, and you hear more from him right here on Real Golf Radio. Stay tuned. More of the show coming up next. 